beverage industry professionals to The Shine Runner Show, quenching your marketing, distribution, and sales thirst for more horsepower on the craft beer, cider, and spirits industry. My name is Mark Colburn, and I'll be your crew chief. Today's episode is Preparing for the Chains, How to Present, Respect, and Succeed. Our project program objective is to provide you with an overview of marketing, distribution, and sales learnings and experiences from a veteran, me, who's been in the craft beer, spirits, and cider biz for over 25 years. The goal of this program will be to help you better understand marketing's role, priority, and importance in the marketplace and how it relates to your business model. Please send ShineRunner episode questions or comments to ShineRunner at thebrewingnetwork.com. A recap from episode 12, uh, that was uh, sort of a marketing uh, overall recap, and we talked about how marketing determines price, product, promotion, and distribution, the four Ps. This includes what you, what you charge for a half barrel, when you discount any products, by what margin, on and off-premise account selection, distribution geography, social media strategy, website content and positioning, your product mix, new items and their line extensions, experiential marketing strategies, taproom location, architecture, the look, your target market definition, packaging selection, branding, tap handles, logos, copy, your marketing story content, special event selection, booth design, sales materials, point-of-sale pieces, shelf strips, your KDA, beverage competitions, donations, public relations, trade promotion, primary and secondary marketing research, and a lot more. Always try to learn as much as possible about your target market. Remember, we talked about Austin way back when, so that you can deliver a beverage that meets that group's wants and needs criteria. This is a continuous process. Recall that we are looking for a homogenous group that's uh, one with similar wants and needs. This group represents a receptive slice or segment of the beverage market. Once you have a clear profile of your target customer, you can devise a plan on how to pursue them. On the wholesaler side, remember to always treat them as your internal customer. Communicate with the distributor regularly. If you don't, you'll quickly be forgotten. Once your brand has distribution, the next step is to get that great liquid over the lips of your target audience. This is done at special events like craft beer festivals, art and wine festivals, blues, barbecue events, in your tap rooms, in state and county fairs. Always remember, convey your marketing story, your KDA, to your target market. Next year, marketing will play a vital role in successful firms. Those that discount or ignore marketing will most likely fail as the market shifts up another gear in 2019. Remember, people buy brands that they like. Be one of those brands. So today's topic is... Preparing for the Chains, How to Present, Respect, and Succeed. Okay, so as you may realize, 
the U.S. supermarket channel is perhaps the largest in the world. It may also be the most competitive as domestic, import, and craft beer and cider brands all compete for finite real estate with aggressive spirits and wine competitors. I got my first taste of the industry when I worked for a company called Honey Hill Farms. This experience with the supermarket trade was truly an eye-opener. As a super premium frozen yogurt brand manager, I participated with the sales team in chain presentations. I quickly learned that retail authorization assumption was a foolish rookie thought. I also learned which side had the power and how it was wielded. What I learned from these initial presentations was that I needed to bring my A-game. That included the best PowerPoint presentations that I'd ever made, team rehearsal, professional appearance, and upbeat attitude. Despite this, we needed more to gain authorization. This included a full promotional and advertising plan, part of which included a chain-wide weekend demo program uh, of, of over 350 demos. Uh, coupon drops, a local special event participation, an intro, uh, intro allowance or discount, and a quarterly case discount program. Once we had all this dialed in, we finally started to get brand authorizations. I mentioned earlier who has the power in this relationship. The pendulum is still on the side of the retailer. This makes sense because without retail channels, where would our brands be purchased? particularly in states with three-tier distribution laws. Now back to Honey Hill Farms. After running a very expensive weekend 350-store demo program in Southern California, supported with a significant coupon discount, uh, you know, coupon drop, I called the supermarket buyer the following Monday to complain about his running a competitive demo the same weekend that I had. I tried to explain that competing demos diluted our effectiveness, resulting in fewer overall sales. His response was that he wanted to give his customers free samples, thus drawing more traffic to the store. He then called our VP of sales and threatened to pull all of our SKUs from the freezer case as a result of my complaint. This lesson taught me just who has the power and that I needed to respect such or jeopardize our brand's future. I also learned through trial and error how to present to the supermarket channel. Now another story. Uh, as an accountant brand manager later in my career for a company called Earth Grains Baking, uh, I was responsible for turning around their business at the U.S.'s largest supermarket retailer. Things had gotten so bad that Earth Grains was losing significant retail space for their once powerhouse brands throughout this giant chain. They also lost their spot on the corporate reset team and were barred from making any future presentations at headquarter buyer level. This was a recipe for disaster. So I devised a grand plan to try to reverse this apocalyptic decline. 
I essentially had to tear down the entire engine and rebuild it. I started with the distributor sales force or our internal customers and found very low morale, which resulted in out of stocks and late deliveries. To reverse this, I initiated a first for the company. I included them in my grand plan, them being the distributor sales force. I found that senior management kept more than an arm's distance from this distributor team, which were also part of the company. This was not a separate distributor uh, firm. This critical component was never included in company strategy communication. I changed this immediately. So I suited up at four o'clock in the morning, stopped off for team donuts and coffee, and made my presentations to every distributor barn in the region. This PowerPoint presentation included my grand plan on how to reverse the situation at this mega retailer. The response from the drivers was most satisfying. They told me that no one from the company had ever included them in strategic communication before. To further win them over, I embarked on a a ride with campaign to learn more about their workday and industry perspective. These learnings were later used in my buyer presentations and helped the yeast to rise again. On the subject of Funkifies, I also instituted a clutter-busting, out-of-stock incentive sponsored by two made-up characters. I just made these guys up, and their names were Lord Hanky and Colonel Doughhead. These two humorous stooges became my mouthpiece with which to launch future programming from. They became so popular that drivers talked about them in the morning while loading their trucks at four in the morning. Their division managers told me that they looked forward to their next hilarious yet informative announcements. I knew I was on track as morale began to build. So you're thinking, what about the supermarket channel, Mark? Come on. I know this is sounding like a deviation from today's topic, but please continue to listen. Once I got the distribution variable humming, and recall how critical distribution is from your four-piece podcast, I had to win over the retailer. But how do you do this? Well, I started slowly. I, I just started walking the stores and studying the bread sets. One afternoon, while straightening up some of our SKUs, I was approached by one of the chain's management. I didn't know who he was, but we started a conversation. Turns out, This guy was a division manager with roughly 45 stores under his belt. I gave him my card, and as he was leaving, I got a crazy idea and just blurted out, Hey, sir, could I present a business review to show how the brands are doing and reducing out-of-stocks? And I just made this up on the fly. He agreed, so we set up a meeting. So I prepared for this meeting like it was my last as if my grandfather was looking down over my shoulder. I rehearsed, suited up, uh, grabbed fresh samples, and arrived early. I got to the division office and waited a while. He came out and got me and we sat in his office. The first thing I do when I, I come into someone's office is I scan the entire room 
for something I can build a rapport on. In this instance, I hit pay dirt as he had pictures of his Mustang on the wall. I happen to be a Mustang fanatic, so the conversation began on a personal and positive note. I went through the dismal numbers, but then showed my out-of-stock reduction plan and how I planned to mend the distributor relationship with management. He approved of this. I then asked if he held quarterly meetings with his store managers. He did. These included presentations from large food and beverage suppliers. Now this could be you. So I got us on the schedule for the next meeting. As the new guy on the roster, we were up last. I began my presentation about noon to roughly 35, maybe 40 store managers and the district manager. They had been there since 6 a.m. And I have to say, the room was crowded and hot. I was uncomfortable in my suit, and I felt for these managers. As I went into another IRI slide, I sensed I was losing my audience. So I kind of got a message from Colonel Doehead to do something a bit different. Coincidentally, I had purchased a birthday present, a music CD, for one of our staff, which I was planning to give later in the day. I also brought a boombox that we used to play focus group comments from to the managers about the new sourdough line that we were presenting that morning. So I made the decision to end the presentation right there, open the CD and play it. As I did, I instructed my assistant brand manager to pass out fresh baked loaves of our San Luis sourdough craft bread line. They were still warm. The music, James Brown, I feel good. I started chucking full loaves of bread to the managers in the back of the crowded room. This was a gamble I felt I needed to take. The response was great. Many of the managers thanked us as they dove into the fresh loaves, while several even got up and did some dance moves. I looked at the DM, who was all smiles, in between munches. We quickly departed, thanking the managers for the time and brand support. Unlike the prior presenters, the big guys, we left to arousing applause. The DM shook my hand vigorously, smiling all the while. The next week, I found a response to my many emails requesting a presentation with the chain's category buyer. She agreed to see me. I then prepared and rehearsed one of the best presentations that I've ever made. I also called the headquarters asking about you know, presentation room availability. I did this so I could take plenty of time to set up and have the space in electronics that I needed to make the best presentation of my career. The receptionist was most accommodating, booking me into their large presentation room. I arrived over an hour early, set up my computer, other items, and went through several trial runs. The buyer was on time. She explained why Earthgrains was in the penalty box and wanted to hear about my James Brown presentation, which she had laughed at and enjoyed. The DM apparently had told her all about that presentation. Once back at my office, I sent the buyer a thank you email summarizing the high points of the meeting 
I then asked for authorization on multiple SKUs, including our new San Luis sourdough line. She responded with a brief email, which was a first, uh, thanking me for the presentation and that she would consider my request. This happened in late March. So it had been a little over a week, and I had not heard back anything from the buyer. So I took another gamble for a brand that was on its last grain. Seizing April 1st for its humorous opportunity, I sent the buyer a morning email thanking her for her authorization of the seven SKUs that I'd presented in March. I went on to say that the breads would be delivered to her 350-plus stores that morning and that I appreciated her business. I copied the Earth Grains Regional Senior VP on the email for a little extra credibility. She quickly responded with a scathing email, clearly stating that she did not authorize these SKUs into the chain and that if they showed up on store shelves, that she would have the entire product mixed discoed. Woo! I sent back a brief email that simply read, Happy April Fool's Day. Later that afternoon, she requested seven new item forms for the brands authorizing them in over 400 stores. She also invited Earthgrains back onto the corporate reset team with the category captain and later requested that I perform an analysis, report, and recommendations on the organic bread market, which allowed me to work in the chain's headquarters with her category management team. The moral of this story, respect the power of the U.S. supermarket channel. Have a plan. Research everything you can before developing that plan. Be sure to ride with your wholesalers to learn their side of the story and and with your sales team. Walk the stores. Get a feel for the category. Watch what consumers do too. Go into these presentations with your very best products. Be prepared, rehearsed, looking sharp. Bring cold samples. Show off your packaging. Share your KDA and your marketing story with passion. Funkifies. Take creative license. There are so many other companies presenting to that same buyer that you are. What is it about you and your brand that will stand out in the buyer's mind? Heck, if you're a me too, then you most likely won't get that precious real estate. So let's let's uh, recap episode 13. Always remember who has the power in the chain supplier equation. Without the supermarkets, your volume will be dependent upon taproom sales, the indies, on-premise outlets. Now, this might be fine for your brand, but the volume is truly found in what I call the bigs, the U.S. supermarket channel. Don't ignore those DM and store manager meeting opportunities. This is a prime time to educate this captive audience on your brand and get their commitment to its authorization. Recall that people and retailers will sell for people and brands that they like. 
Once you've got that buyer meeting scheduled, do your homework like you're defending a thesis. Your benchmark should be that this presentation will be the greatest of your career. Prepare, research, and rehearse, and it will be. This will improve your probability of success and show in your presentation. Get there early. Know your surroundings. Set up. Take a trial run or two. Zig when others zag. Funkifies. Include your KDA, your marketing story, cold samples and glassware. God forbid, no Dixie cups. Show off that packaging. Talk about your local event support. Share your passion. Now go kick some. Thank you for listening. Please check out my website at shinerunnercraftmarketing.com. My book, Craft Beer Marketing and Distribution, Brace for Skumageddon. Join us next time on the Brewing Network's Shine Runner Show for episode 14, Chain Merchandising and Fighting for Floor Space. 